welcome to the Stop Ruining My Childhood podcast. A sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical, 50-episode look back at pop culture. Join us as we revisit movies, cartoons, and live-action TV of the 80s and 90s and ask the question... Does this hold up, or did I just ruin my childhood? Today, we're not just ruining our childhoods, we're also ruining my brother's childhood. So this should be fun. As usual, you have Steve... Megan... And Tim... How's it going, guys? Not as usual. Not as usual. We wanted Tim on here before, but he has a very busy schedule. Tim's here. We're going to play a game. Are you excited, Tim? I am unbelievably excited. I'm very excited. I know you're wow. not excited really at all. I've been so excited. Very is more than unbelievably, I think. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> and Steve named our awards. I did. Nope, you gotta wait for it. No, I don't have <laughs> yeah, to wait for this it. This is the first annual Remy's, named after reminiscent, because we're looking back. That is true. So it is our first annual Remy's award. Yeah, we have some fun categories, and the stakes are high because the winners or losers, because some of these are best of and some are worst of. And the winners and losers we are going to feature. Next season. Yep. Season two of Stop Ruining My Childhood. Yes. Oh, wow. So, Tim. I didn't know that. I did not know that twist. <laughs> we, didn't to, we didn't want to put that kind of pressure yeah, on How the pressure is really. And I'm worried that my choices will not live up to the standards of your listeners or yourself, but I, I'm going to do my best. Well, we can just vote against you every time. That's fine. That's okay. okay. We can only ask for your best. Mm -hmm. So, we have a, a couple of different categories, and we're going to go... Head to head with the third person acting as the judge. But before we get into that, we have my favorite segment, the non-sponsored snack. Tim, tell us about the non-sponsored snack today. What did you <laughs> what delicacies have you made? We allowed Tim to choose. Yeah. So. Yeah, that was my one stipulation for, for joining today. Um, I insisted that we uh we do tuna melts. And purple Kool-Aid, which is a, really a staple of my younger days and Megan's. Yeah. Um, really, there's not much to it. You, you buy hot hamburger rolls. You buy tuna in a can. You mix that tuna with mayonnaise. Then you put it on the roll. Then you put one slice of Kraft American cheese over the top. And you put it in the broiler until the top of the cheese just barely browns. Kid, I, kids love it. My favorite thing about this description is that you were like tuna in a can. Like somebody's yeah. going to be like, listen, I bought this beautiful piece of ahi tuna. Well, now <laughs> it's a delicious it's steak. And now I'm going to mash it up with some mayonnaise and put craft cheese Well, now they have it in those in those packets, but we didn't have that. Back no, we didn't. That's true. I, now, did, I let, didn't think about that. Let me ask you this, Tim. Does it have to be craft cheese? Absolutely. Okay, so craft. So. We will be waiting on a sponsorship call. <laughs> we're open to that. And just, you know, I'll wear a craft t-shirt. I'm okay with that. That, I'm so call. jealous. There is literally nothing in this tuna melt that I'm allowed to eat at the moment. I have never eaten a tuna melt in my entire life. So let me give you a little bit about the history of the tuna melt. And we'll try it a little bit. While you're eating, yeah, I'll talk about it. Tuna and cheese. First of all, this has been a crowd favorite since the 1960s, okay? And tuna fish became extremely popular during World War II. It became like the most popular fish, probably because it can be canned. Yeah. Right? So picture this. Woolworths. They used to have a restaurant there in the Woolworths store. Okay. At Woolworths, the story goes, 
that a cook at Woolworths accidentally dumped tuna salad onto a thing of grilled cheeses. And I guess was like, I'm going to eat this anyway. And hence the tuna melt was born. Interesting. And then it became really popular in the 1960s, probably because um, at that time, it was something like Tim said, it's really easy to make. If you're a mom, you can whip it up real quickly, right? But it still seems like in that point is like still seems like you're cooking, right? It's a cheap staple food. It's kind of like the American version of pizza, right? Pizza became so popular because it was cheap. A little bit of dough, a little bit of sauce, a little bit of cheese. Yeah, I just think it's funny that it was kind of like, oops, by accident, I invented a tuna melt sandwich. So let's talk about the tuna melt first. And then we'll we'll rate the Kool-Aid separately. We do one out of ten for the for the movies. Typically, we have a little bit, obviously, we're playing a game. And we do one out of five for the snack. And today, we're going to go back to our first episode and rate it out of juice boxes. Oh, so, nice. What do you give, uh, Tim? This is your one of your childhood favorites. Does it hold up or did you ruin your childhood? Of course, it's a 10 out of 10. I mean, it's not even a... It's a no-brainer. Well, we go out of 5, but okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> only 5, so you can't go out of 10. I did that one time, too. It's fine. I'll up your juice boxes, then. I'll do 5 out of 5 Capri Suns. Oh, nice. Yeah. We did Capri Suns for one of our other shows. I like that. Tim's still a 5 out of 5, so not ruining his childhood. No. Takes you right back. We also had a debate of whether or not we were broiling, broiling them correctly because that's just how our mom always did the broiling. Yeah, alternative theory as to how they were created. Karen invented them in <laughs> 1990. <laughs> our mother. So. Yeah, she was like... Also a possibility, right up there with the Woolworth theory. She, she was like, what can I do with this tuna that my kids <laughs> to make my kids eat it? Let me put some dairy on top. I mean, I still make them from time to time. When you want to, when you want to feel like a, a kid again, it's know. very similar to a peanut butter and jelly mm. in terms of of right. like who likes it and how it is. So, yeah. Steve. Okay, so here, there's some background here. As I mentioned, I've never had a tuna melt before. Right. This very moment, <laughs> um, the idea of tuna melt did not interest me. The fact <laughs> of hot tuna fish <laughs> with cheese on it, and to be honest, my only real awareness of tuna melts was like as the brunt of jokes in movies and shows where mm. people would be at a diner and they'd be like, just don't order the tuna melt. Hmm. Right? So I never really thought of it as a good thing. That being said... I knew you, I knew it. This tastes almost exactly like a tuna noodle casserole. Oh, yeah. Mm. It has the tuna, the mayo, the cheese. Interesting. And the bun, which would be like the noodle. Yeah. Right? So... I really, I'm going to give it a five out of five. Whoa. Wow. Well, I have to say, That's crazy. it's not surprising then that Tim and I grew up with this because, as you know, we we grew up Lutheran and Lutherans are known for their casseroles. Tuna <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> casserole is like a Lutheran staple. It's like at every family, like potluck, every church potluck. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of nice. I'm glad you enjoy it. Yeah. That's surprising. All right. Probably because we didn't burn the top as much as we probably would if it was just me and Timmy. Okay. Yeah. Um, so now we come to the Kool-Aid. The year was 1900. Notable Nebraskan, which I got this off of NebraskaStudies.org. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I just find, I don't want to be mean to the people of Nebraska, but I find that funny. 
Notable Nebraskan. Any story that starts with notable Nebraskan <laughs> is yeah. going in the right direction. Yeah. Edwin Elijah Perkins, okay, was born in 1889. At the age of 11, he's working at his father's store in, in the village of Hendley, Nebraska. And his future wife and childhood friend, Catherine Melda Kitty Shoemaker. This is oh, like wow, the most wow. 1900 names ever. Nebraska. She, she also started The Music Man. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. She introduces him to a product we like to call Jello, And he was like, I need to get in on this. So at age 13, after thinking about it and pondering it for two years, he signs up for an adult class on how to manufacture prepackaged foods. And then he signs up for another adult class on how to run and start your own print shop at 13. Okay. He combined the two types of businesses and ran it out of the back of Hendley Post Office. I guess they were like, go ahead, kid. And he had a mail order company and he started selling perfume at first. And also this stuff called bluing, which was like before bleach, white and clothes. In 1909, he starts also publishing the local paper. So he had a number of different things going on. He was like a jack of all trades. Yeah. In 1921, he starts the Perkins Product Company, and he starts an honor made with with no H, but it's still pronounced like Mm -hmm. with the H. They sell 125 different items, lotions, soaps. Food flavorings, jelly making products. It's like a door to door kit kind of thing. Mail order. Oh. Which is like, it's like. Catalogs were big then. Yeah, but it's, it's also, it's like HelloFresh before HelloFresh. That's true. You know what I'm saying? So the biggest thing is the fruit drink concentrate. Mm. So they start smel- selling this thing, <laughs> it's called Fruit Smack. Mm. And it's a liquid concentrate mm-hmm. that comes in a corked bottle, but it was really messy. Yeah, it's probably almost like ink because it's constant. Yeah, and well, or like really like like syrup, right? Yeah. So you'd mix it, and then they change it in 1927. They turn it into a powder. Okay. And that's where first they have Cool Aid ADE, and they sell it as a soft drink, which is interesting to me. Why was everything turned into a powder in the 20s? Well, wasn't it the Roaring Twenties? Shouldn't everything have been fresh and new? Yeah, I was <laughs> thinking about this. Doesn't it seems like that was like an era where they were starting to do? I think it has to do with like, like the war and transporting things uh, as well. After World War One, yeah, and they're trying to make things more convenient. So yeah. what happened though is that it it's going okay in the twenties, mm-hmm. but then the depression hits. Well, here's the thing: they figured out right now we're selling Kool Aid for ten cents a pack. But we're making a huge profit, like eight cents. Mm. If we sell it at five cents a pack, we still make a profit. And then a pack of Kool-Aid, which is a whole gallon, as you guys know, you just mm-hmm. we just made a gallon of it. A whole gallon can be made for the same amount of money as one Pepsi or one Coke. Yeah, that's a smart move. So mm. the Kool-Aid basically explodes. So your moms up. who are trying to shop for a bunch of yep. kids in a depression get kool-aid because it's going to go a lot farther yeah and so it lasts way longer and it's just as sugary i mean let's be frank yeah so then and this was not on the notable nebraskans because that just ends kind of like with him but um the kool-aid man then takes it even a step further because in 1975 we have a concept that was invented in the 50s but never they never put it into play and in 1975 they were like let's do this and oh yeah 
the Kool-Aid Man oh, was yeah. born. And by the 80s, it exploded, right? He became, like, what? really exploding out of a wall. They had a video game, a Kool-Aid Man video game of him. Really? They had, yeah, right. they had, like, little comics that would come sometimes with the product. Yep. Um, T-shirts, all yeah. that kind of stuff. The Pitcher Man to the Kool-Aid Man, basically. And it was, it was actually pretty popular with kids. And I think that's one of the other thing... And I couldn't find the exact date, but I believe that it was also in the 80s that we got the version that Tim made for us today, which is you don't have to add sugar. Yeah, our sugar was already added. Because, Tim, you remember Mrs. Chris? Mm-hmm. So she was our babysitter when we were little. Yeah. She would make... Her last name was not Chris. No. Yeah, that's, that's, that's one of those name. young child things yeah. to do. Just call her Mrs. Chris. Yeah. You know? um, so... Mrs. Chris would make Kool-Aid and she, our, our mom bought the kind that you didn't have to add sugar to, but I walked in the kitchen one time and this woman is full. She had like a huge scoop, like a five cup scoop. And she dumped that into the pitcher, poured the Kool-Aid powder, just straight sugar. And I was like, there are five cups of sugar in that (laughs) Kool-Aid. Um, so having said that, I did taste the Kool-Aid. I hate purple, and I don't like Kool-Aid. It's way too sweet for me. But I really only drink water, so I'm kind of not the right target audience. What is... We'll start with Steve, because we started with Tim last time. What are you going to go with? Have you had Kool-Aid in a while? Um, Yeah, actually, I just had Kool-Aid Why? <laughs> like a week ago. <laughs> I was at my nephew's birthday party, and they had Kool-Aid uh, pouches yes. and a cool thing. Okay. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, in what I was in there. I was like, I was like soda, water. I was like purple Kool-Aid. stuff. I was like Kool Aid. Oh yeah, <laughs> nice. Um, and I grabbed one, but yeah, I I enjoy Kool Aid. I really like grape, so I am. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna give this. I mean, uh, Kool Aid's one of those things I forget about now a lot as an adult, but I really do enjoy True. it. So because of that, I'm gonna give it a four. Four juice boxes out of five. Four juice boxes out of five. Okay, yeah. nice. How about you, Tim? Yeah, I mean, I I hate, I hate to do the same thing and, and agree, but I think I'm also going four out of four Kool Aid juice boxes. Well, it's four out of five. <laughs> That's okay. yeah. I keep yeah. I keep messing up the math. That's but, all right. Um, but yeah, four out of five. It brings me back to you know, there's nothing in the house. I can't. I have nothing to eat. I'm seven years old. It's summertime. I go make up my own Kool Aid and then I take it out to our. Very 1990s glass uh, patio furniture that's out yeah. on the deck, mm-hmm. and I drink my Kool Aid, and uh, that's that's how I feel. <laughs> I love that you say this like we were street urchins. <laughs> In, we're we're watching Scrooge. Oh, we 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 did Scrooge just before this. I'm seven years old. I'm alone, and there's nothing to eat. <laughs> like I think you mean there's nothing like sugary or fun to eat, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, we grew up in a house where our mom would be like, we're all going on a diet. And our dad would be like, I'm going to McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes we had snacks and sometimes there were no snacks to be found. All right. So. For tuna melt. Yeah. Five, five out of five juice boxes. And for Kool-Aid. Four out of five. Whoops. See what you did now, Tim? That's awesome. Four Four out out of five juice boxes. boxes. Nice. Pretty good scores. That's a good score. That's great. And what I liked about this is 
We did Happy Meals for our 25th episode, and we did want something more substantial that was like a meal. So that's great. So when we are going to take a little bit of a break so the guys can finish their delightful tuna melts, uh, according to their ratings. And when we come back, we are going to start our game and we will have a fight to the finish. And also, do stay tuned and don't turn that podcast dial, as Steve says, because we have some great information during the break about what's coming up for season two. So stay tuned. Steve, I found a bunch of shows on streaming networks that we don't have. That's nice, Megan, but you know, we work on a budget and I'm still waiting for snack companies to sponsor us. So unless you can find a new way to bring in sponsorship, our choices in viewing are limited. YouTube is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So that's why I set up our page on Patreon. People can help support our show and get exclusive access to content. What about all those bonus episodes we got hanging around? So our old bonus episodes are going to go up. And then we're going to have new bonus episodes about once a month once we start season two. We're also going to put ad-free versions of all our regular episodes as well. And pictures of me spread out on a bearskin rug. No, but we are going to be more interactive. We're going to have a poll every month and people can vote for what episode we should do for that season. So basically we're going to have, we're going to continue with our format of cartoon live TV show and movie, but the fourth week in every month we'll get to be listeners choice from Patreon. Exactly. So you, the listener are going to help decide what we watch. And all this content is available at each level. So if you want to support us for just a few dollars, we have those our first year. It's really affordable. And if you'd like to help us pay for what we watch. And the snacks we eat. You can donate a few dollars more if you're a big spender. Yeah, exactly. And listen, if you're not comfortable doing Patreon at all, we're still going to do the regular podcast. And you can interact with us on Facebook. I'm only talking to Patreon people. Oh, that's not nice. No, that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> Links to subscribe are going to be in the show notes each week and also on our website, StopRuiningMyChildhood.com, or you could just go to Patreon.com forward slash StopRuiningMyChildhood. All one word. Megan, I don't know what a Patreon is. Oh, no. We're going to have to have a whole other conversation. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, my name's Megan. My name's Steve. And my name's Tim. And welcome to the Remy's. Then we can get sued by Wheel of Fortune. It's just going to be like... I changed it up there. Did you catch that? I can edit some music in. Okay, well you can do that too. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Okay. So, the Remy's are based on a game that we own called Versus, where you put down different characters for different... That's not the name of it, but we're not going to say the real name. No, we're not going to say the real name. I thought it was called Versus. It is not. Anyway, (laughs) and you have two people go head to head, and then the third person judges, and it might be like, best historical figure you want to have dinner with, or whatever. Yeah, yep. That's how you know it's serious, guys. Yes, for those of you from the 80s and 90s. That was the sound of a trapper keeper opening up. Okay. Wonderful. I have brought the trapper keeper to play today, which is how you know I'm taking this very seriously. 
I'm taking it seriously because I edited my list four times. I didn't hear a Trapper Keeper open for you. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> our first category is best movie for a date night. We're going to, we have two runner-ups choices. I'm going to tell you my third and I'll explain my choice. You say your third and explain your choice. Then we'll go two and two. And then we will present to Tim our top choices and he will judge and jury them. Yes. Are you ready? I love yep. it. Okay. So, Steve, you go ahead. What's your third choice? My third choice to start off with is, this is best date night movie. Yeah. Say Anything from 1989 with John Cusack and Ione Skye. It's a good one. Well, why did you pick that one? It's a classic, right? When you think of, like, teenage love stories, you have John Cusack with the radio above his head, Mm -hmm. right? And I just remember watching it, and even when I was, like, Mm preteen, you're like, oh, yeah. And it's like, you know, it's it's a good, you're like, I would bring a girlfriend to this, right? Because it's all about him getting a girlfriend. And I think that that's just a classic people think of. Yeah. Um, my number three is the Boz Luhrmann classic, Romeo and Juliet. From what year? From 96. Oh, okay. Are you talking about the Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio? Leonardo DiCaprio That's and Claire Danes. Hmm. And they hated each other in real life, but on the screen it was magic. And she's behind the fish tank, and he's like... I would die for you. And she's like, let's fall in love in two days and then kill ourselves. And he's like, okay. No, it's a really well done movie. I think it's a great update. Um, You know, there's the 1968 one that's very classically Mm -hmm. done. But the Boz Lerman one just, uh, it also, it just has a panache to it. And it's a great romantic movie, even though they died. You never saw the ending coming either. No. No No one knew. No one knew. Well, I think it's, so I put it in number three because I feel like it's a little bit too serious. Yeah, that one hits me though, because you know I'm an Elizabethan a literature major, and Shakespeare's my alley. So I really, mm, that was a good choice. You're not going to comment on that, Tim. You're going to let that one go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an Elizabethan. He is known as. That's actually yeah. I've been to his lectures. Yeah, that's how we introduce him know. at parties. This is Steve. He's an Elizabethan literature <laughs> scholar. Um, he's he's a, his specialty is Shakespeare, Marlowe, and Milton. <laughs> You know, the real the real cool guys. <laughs> All right. My my number two choice, I'll go first this time, is Say Anything from 1989. <laughs> Why would you choose that, Megan? Wow. That seems like a weird out there. <laughs> I can't believe we had the same one. I had a totally... I originally had When Harry Met Sally, and then I feel like I bumped it because... It really is more of an adult movie. So when I think of date night, I think more like people in their teens, 20s going out to a movie, mm-hmm. right? The the thing about this, though, too, is that I just remembered as you were talking, it is such a romantic movie, but also they have a whole plot line about how her dad is stealing stuff from people just, in the nursing home. I was just going to say, isn't yeah. it the dad from Frasier that goes to <laughs> yeah. prison or yeah, something? Yeah, I think so. Um, so that's my number two. What's your number two? Number two from 1987 some kind of wonderful. Oh, that's Eric a good Stoltz, choice. Leah Thompson, Mary Stuart Masterson. Wow, that is. A it good was choice. a love triangle, mm-hmm. and Mary Stuart Masterson, it like is into Eric Stoltz, but Eric Stoltz is into Leah Thompson, right? Yeah, and. And Mary Stuart Masterson has kind of been friend-zoned yeah. because she's a tomboy. She has short hair. She works on cars. But to 
10-year-old Steve, she's a smoke show. Okay? (laughs) 10-year-old Steve had a little crush on Mary Stuart Masterson. And that has stuck with me, and I would bring a date to that Well, 10-year-old Megan had a super big crush on John Cusack, so it's okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now it's time. Now it's time. For the top picks. Here and we go. And this is where the pressure goes on to So this is the one that I judge? This is the one you judge. I can't pick one of the other choices. No. I'm not. I wonder if we have the same thing. All right. Go ahead. What's your number one? 1997. All right. Not mine. Uh Mm. Fools rush in. No. Matthew Perry and Selma Hayek. Stop it. They play play a couple (laughs) who run into one another. They have a wild, like date night and it ends up being like a one night stand almost i'm not even and she gets pregnant and then they decide to get married and he is like from this very like connecticut like white collar uppity waspy family mm-hmm. and she's from a family there they live in in las vegas cal and in, in, in california they move back and forth she's from a very hispanic family from mexico that all speak Spanish and expect her to be married to a guy who's Spanish, not from Connecticut. And so it's two cultures clash. There's a lot of chemistry between Matthew Perry and Selma Hayek. And there's also some comedy in it. This is I think this is a hands-down date night movie. I'm not saying this because I want to win this game. I'm just saying this as your wife. That is a stupid choice. You picked that over some kind of wonderful... Keep talking like that, and you may not be my wife for very long. <laughs> we don't we don't say that in our household. You know that. Steve, that that movie nobody even remembers. I Tim's like, I don't even think I've ever even heard of that movie. I, I've heard of it, definitely. I, I think it's a nineties right, classic, no, but no, this is gonna be a blowout not a, yeah. like So what did you choose, little miss I know best? Nineteen eighty seven. Oh, I know what this is gonna be already. Two words. Princess Bride. Yeah. No, Princess Bride's not a date night movie. Stop it! It's a fan. It's a phenomenal no, movie. Stop it! But it's a fantasy movie. There is fantasy. <laughs> there is epic romance. You have a man coming back from almost dead to win the woman he loves. There is action. There is adventure, and there is Fred Savage, who again, ten-year-old Megan had a super big crush on. First off, he was not quite dead. That's what I said. Okay, you said almost dead. There's a difference between almost dead and quite right dead. Get it right if you're going to put Princess Bride in your mouth. <laughs> Wallace Shawn. <laughs> come on. Andre the Giant. Robin Wright. This movie has a perfect cast. I and think you it's can a... Co- you can't no. argue the cast for me. I think it's an amazing Here's cast. Why, I don't think it falls in this category. It does because mm. it's not a... Sap- like, I could have said Titanic. No guy wants to go to see Titanic unless he's really trying to, like, hook up with somebody, That's okay? That's the only reason he's trying to go to see Titanic. Okay, enough. We can't be... Oh, we have to have a time limit of our... All right, our, go our, ahead, Tim. So, Tim, judge. you are the judge. I mean, I don't want to sound biased and go with my sibling on this one, but I think uh, it's... For me, it's hands down. It's got to be Princess Bride. It's also a litmus test. If you the, don't find that movie funny, I'm the, not the, going out with you. The problem time. is, I, I it's too much of my own childhood that particular movie, and I I kind of see where Steve is going with his argument, but at the end of the day, I think it could qualify as a date movie because it does have qualities that you know a guy could enjoy in addition to the romantic aspect that women best sword fights of all time i disagree but i will i'm going to bend the knee to you the judge (laughs) so our first winner of the first annual remy's best date night movie 
Princess Bride. All right. Now we have Steve versus Tim. And the category is Best Franchise. We, we kind of should have said this to begin with, but as you guys know, if you've been listening to our show, everything we choose is from the 80s and 90s. Yeah, it's not like so date night that, movies. That was for... kind of the only constraints we had to these categories. It needed to be something in the 80s Good and point. 90s. Good point. Thank you for so, saying that. So, Tim, mm-hmm. why don't you start off by giving me your third oh, choice right. for this category. All right. Well, this is such... I mean, this category is so... I mean, this is so, such a massive. Like, you could have so many arguments. There's right? so many but, franchises, and, there's, and so many good ones. Um, I know a lot of people listening will be like upset with our choices, probably. But uh, number three for me, I'm going with a classic action franchise known as Die Hard. Oh, okay, and coming right out of the gate. Yeah, everything that I enjoy and that you need about an action movie. I mean, it has Bruce Willis starring. You have Severus Snape as the <laughs> main villain. True. <laughs> Um, you know, and then elements of comedy in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's the perfect... Uh, I mean, the original Die Hard is like the perfect prototypical action movie. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Die Hard with a Vengeance, like Samuel L. Jackson. Good point. A- amazing movie. I mean, I, I watch it like every time it's on. You know, I think it, is it Jeremy Irons? I think is the... Is he the uh, villain in that one? Um, yeah, just a great movie. Okay. Well, that's so, a that's Great a franchise, sound, I'm sorry. That's a sound yeah. franchise yeah. choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to go with a franchise that during the 80s and 90s had 10 movies. Oh, wow. Mm. Okay, and that has to be one that really... I started watching these movies when I was like five years old. And it shaped me. And that is the Friday the 13th franchise. Interesting. Okay. You can't talk about the 80s and 90s without talking about Jason and the hockey mask. <laughs> true. You know, it's like, think about how many movies are spoofed of that. Yeah, that's true. Where someone's trying to scare somebody and has the hockey mask on. It's a um, classic. It's a classic. Sure. Plus, sure. you had actors like like Corey Feldman that came out of, that was in the Friday the 13th franchise. Which one was he He in? was in four. Okay. Right? And there was a lot of other, Ming-Na Wen was in... Ming now. Now you have to bleep yourself. Ming now when was in him. You had so many people on the Friday. Could forget Ming now when. I mean, it's a name that I've not forgot. Every time we talk about Ming now when, she's so. so Always say we go Ming now when because she's yeah. She's she's in a lot of stuff. Yeah, Yeah, she's awesome. Um, Nice. So yeah, so I have to go with the Friday Thirteenth franchise. Okay. Um, So Mm -hmm. Tim, what's your what's your first runner up? My first runner-up is the Indiana Jones franchise. Nice. Okay. Um, the first movie actually not titled Indiana Jones. I believe it was titled uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. It was. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the last movie I know it was in the was in the two thousands or two thousand tens or whatever. Yeah. But I personally like the whole scene where he the, gets blown up in a, in the a nuclear skull. bomb. <laughs> yeah. Inside a refrigerator. I know I'm probably in the very small minority, but, you know, classic movie, Spielberg produced, I believe. You know, John Williams does the music. George uh, George Lucas directs. And it has Harrison Ford as the lead. And it's a great adventure uh, film sequence. The third one, he rides off into the sunset. Sean Connery. Mystical elements, including, you know, biblical mystical elements. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think... Last Crusade much was phenomenal. Last was. Crusade was good. It was. Yeah. yeah, and you, Temple of Doom was good. You could say that I chose wisely. 
That's <laughs> you true. Could. You could choose wisely. All right, Steve, what's your number two? My number two, best franchise of the 80s and 90s, the Lethal Weapon franchise. Mm. Danny Glover, Mel Gibson, and later Joe Pesci and Chris Rock get added to it. I mean, action, comedy. There's actually even a little bit of romance and family involved. Um, and Jet Li played a bad guy at one point. I think that those things stand for themselves. It's a strong franchise choice. And we're not too old for it. No. And like you said, in the 80s, 90s, there's so many franchises to choose from. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Tim. Yeah. All right, here we go. What's for you. Number one. The Remy best franchise of the eighties and nineties. I mean, again, I hate to I hate to be so stereotypical and pick this, and I hope that it qualifies because the first movie was technically in the seventies, mm. but uh, the Star Wars franchise has to be mm-hmm. number one. We'll allow it. Um, I mean, the majority of the movies were in the eighties, yep. and even one of the newer ones was in the nineties. Um, I mean. You you kind of you you can't say best franchise without discussing Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like he created his own universe. Megan's <laughs> Megan's, Megan's probably not going to go with me on this one because I don't don't know I'm if she's a Megan fan. does like Star Wars. <laughs> but, I'm a, yeah, you know. I'm guessing that he picked the same thing. But Empire Strikes Back, I mean, is an all time I'm all time classic, you know. And then Return of the Jedi with those cute, adorable Ewoks. And they celebrate at the end of the, you know, the day. That's if true. we're looking at the Star Wars <laughs> franchise, do we have to include the holiday special? Because I think we all know what our thoughts are. On <laughs> we that. all have very strong thoughts. If not, go back a few weeks and listen to that. It's, but epic movie, I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay, so my nominee for the Remy's best franchise of the eighties and nineties. The Indiana Jones franchise. Oh man! So Tim, you and I were pretty close. You had it as your runner-up, and I had it as the winner. And neither yeah. of you had Back to the Future, which would have been one of my no. top. All it was right. good, but like Tim said, it's yeah. tough to choose because there's oh, so man. many. Yeah. No, this is difficult. So I think Indiana Jones is one of my favorites. What was your reasoning for picking it first? Well, here's the thing. First off. As much as I'm allowing Star Wars for Tim, I I cut t- Star Wars kind of out of my mind because I think of it as starting in the 70s. Mm. So I, it wasn't even in my con- like in the things I was looking at. Mm. But but I under but Tim's got a good reason for putting it in there because really 77 and then all the rest were the 80s. Yeah. You really it is an 80s franchise. Uh, but Indiana Jones, especially, I did like the Crystal Skull, but if you don't count it because it's not 80s and 90s, right? Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Temple of Doom, Last Crusade. There's no weak spot there. All phenomenal films. Um, Harrison Ford does a great job of selling it. Like Harrison Ford is Han Solo, but when you feel like, when you think of Harrison Ford in Star Wars, he's part of an ensemble. Mm-hmm. Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones. He's that franchise. So here's the thing. Indiana Jones never really developed the sort of cult following though that Star Wars has developed. This is what um, I was going to say so. in judging this. I actually like Indiana Jones better, but I think for cultural impact, you have to go with Star Wars for best franchise. Mm. You guys also I didn't, see how this is going to start going. <laughs> you guys also didn't talk about Jurassic Park, which also would have been my one of my top. Really? Yeah. Mm. I mean, it's again, good. Again, again, culture. Well, that's also 90s. I mean, you only so get to choose three, so. I know. But, um, yeah. I, I mean, there's so think, many, right? Like, there, we could have gone with so many different ones. Back to the Future are left out. Yeah. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. So, 
Our winner is... We have to all stay together. Oh, I'm sorry. Our winner for best (laughs) franchise is... Star Wars! Wars. Okay. (laughs) So we have our first two categories. Now we are going on to number three, best underrated comedies. This time, it is Megan versus Tim. So no... We'll see if we have the same. So the fact that you guys obviously made some kind of a blood pact before that Listen, doesn't come into. Play. I actually don't think we're going to match up on this. I one. tried very deliberately to have things that Tim would not pick. There you go. Okay, so Tim, what's your number three? Number three is a great little movie known as Batteries Not Included. Oh man, that is such a good choice. Um, I almost did that one. I mean, it's. It, I don't think anyone really talks about it anymore. I've never seen it really on TV much. And uh, it has a great character in it who can only speak in the form of commercials. Yeah. <laughs> so everything he says is like quoting a commercial. It's pretty amazing. It also has Jessica Tandy and some older yeah. people. It's a little bit like Cocoon. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that a lot of these newer movies that are out nowadays, I don't know, maybe it's just uh, kids these days, like I'm just saying that. But it seems like... We don't have a lot of older actors that are in some of these movies. And I kind of like that aspect of it, you know. It had, uh, who is it, Don Amici in, yeah. it, in it, too? Yeah, um, yeah. great movie. It's, a, it's you know. That was one of my favorites as a kid. Yeah. yeah. I love Batteries Not Included, yeah. It's, it's got a lot of heart, too. My mm-hmm. number three choice also has a lot of heart. And this is also a lesser-known movie that I think was largely forgotten. 1991's Doc Hollywood. Oh, oh good yeah. choice, too. I wanted a pet pig like Michael J. Fox so bad. You still wanted a pet <laughs> pig. But the idea, this is like what would eventually become the setup for every Hallmark movie that I love. Mm-hmm. Somebody from the big city who's a big shot, has a huge ego, and then comes to a small town, and then he falls in love. So like every Hallmark movie, every Hallmark Channel movie ever yeah, made. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and also, if you watch the movie Cars, it is straight up a ripoff of Doc Hollywood. Mm. Like 100%. They took the plot of Doc Hollywood and they were like, hey, what if we make this Cars and animate it? Even the car is mm. like the car that Michael J. Fox was driving. I so can't argue with Michael J. Fox. I mean, he's one of my favorites. So that's my number three. Um, how about your number two? Uh, number two for me is my own... See, again, I don't know if these categories are supposed to be what the general public would like or what I think is just what I like. So just what I just like. went with what I, just what I like. Yeah. So I went with what I like, which is one of my cult favorite movies of all time, probably one of my favorite movies of all time, called The Burbs. It is a movie with an excellent ensemble cast. You have Tom Hanks, Carrie Fisher, uh, this guy, I think if, if I'm pronouncing his name right, Rick Ducoman. Um, Corey and then Feldman. Corey Feldman. Mm-hmm. And you also have, um, help me out, Bruce Dern. <laughs> and basically, uh, they, they all, they're all living in this uh, suburban cul-de-sac neighborhood. It's a Joe Dante movie, the same. I believe he directed Gremlins. So it has that kind of very weird kind of horror slash comedy vibe to it. And it's just an amazing movie. I mean, it has like mixed reviews, I think, when it came out, even though it did okay at the box office but um yeah it's been a cult favorite of mine and i think uh, people who are burbs fans are like like me they're like psychotic about it so. yeah it's kind of a cult classic jerry is... goldsmith did the music too i mean the soundtrack actually i looked for forever yeah it's like impossible to find 
you have to buy it from like Europe or something when you when it used to be only available on CD, like you know before uh, Apple iTunes and everything, and a great soundtrack. The Burbs is a cult classic, and that's why it is my number two oh choice in this gosh. category. Wow, you guys are the same number two? <laughs> I specifically wow. didn't put it as number one because I thought it would be number one for Tim. Yeah. But when I was trying to think, Doc Hollywood is a little bit more of a romantic comedy, but I was trying to just go straight comedy here. So in terms of things that are just comedies, like, yeah, The Burbs is a great, it's a great underrated movie. And again, one that not a lot of people talk it's about. It's kind of like... Obviously, it's pretty yeah. good because you both had it as your number twos. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's a comedy, but it's not like a slapstick comedy. It's like tongue-in-cheek, horror Yeah, it's a little bit horror, yeah. and it's a, a little, little bit, bit satire. But, I actually, yeah. you know, Carrie Fisher worked as a script doctor on a lot of scripts, and I think mm. that was one of the movies that she, like, helped punch up. Um, she had a really wicked sense of humor, so... All right, now we come down to it. Mm-hmm. Your number one pick, underrated and comedy of the first. 80s and 90s. Underrated comedy. Do you want me to go first? Uh, sure, yeah, you, you can go first. All right, my pick, 1998. So right at the tail end of our time period. Okay, bold choice. <laughs> Norm McDonald's. Oh, wow. Dirty Work. Oh, oh wow. Okay. I think... That this is like a goofball comedy on the realm of a lot of Adam Sandler comedies, but it gets overlooked a lot. And I think that Norm MacDonald was a hilarious human being, and I think that he was he was always Some underrated. People love him or hate him. Yeah. I, I love him. Norm MacDonald is a comedic genius. I always <laughs> felt like Norm MacDonald. He's a comedian's comedian. He doesn't yeah. care if you laugh at his jokes. No, no. <laughs> he just. And the, but his jokes were so heady and well thought out. The humor is really dry, and I have not probably seen it since maybe 2000, so I don't know if it would hold up, but I just remember it as being a great movie. I remember it, like, <laughs> laughing through the entire thing. Your memory's a little bit... I don't know if I would call it great. I mean, in terms but... of comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of comedy, it was really funny, and he was really funny in it, and it was different. And so that's my, why... One of my favorite scenes from the movie... Sorry, no, I don't know if we're supposed to really talk about the movies, but it's I don't okay. care, I'm going to talk about it anyway. Mm-hmm. The head writer for SNL was like the head writer forever. I'm forgetting his name. But he was like the main writer during the 90s. And uh, he was like Norm MacDonald's friend. He stars in that movie as a homeless person. And there's two scenes in the movie where they, he starts like having this monologue like about his life and how everything's terrible. And it kind of like zooms yeah. into him with like music and then norm mcdonald like interrupt him and be like so here's your two dollars i'm surprised that you picked that movie though because you know that i love norm mcdonald and i very i could have picked that movie yeah but it's it's one of those ones that it's just forgotten and that's why i picked it so tim what is your nomination for most underrated comedy i actually went the other direction I, i don't know the exact date it came out maybe 1987 1988 1989 i think it's 1989 actually but john candy John Hughes movie, Uncle Buck. Oh, I feel like it's 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 well known as a comedy, but uh, maybe not given its fair due. You know, overall, I mean, first of all, I just love John Hughes, all of his movies, except maybe Curly Sue. <laughs> Slight aberration there, but um, you know, and John Candy. I mean, he's a classic comedic actor. And the thing about that movie is. It has, like, it's a little bit different than your typical John Hughes movie, I think, which is why maybe some people don't remember it as well. But for me, it's just a hilarious movie. And the way that John Candy, like, stands up to the principal at one point. Yeah. I mean, that's, like, 
one of my favorite scenes ever. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen the whole movie. Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, he goes in. He, Macaulay you know, Culkin. The principal's sit, yeah. telling him that the the younger daughter is like a you know a, um, a dreamer and a you know a foolhearted person, and he basically tells her to take a hike. Yeah. <laughs> and then flips her a quarter to gnaw that mole off her face. It's great. All right, so... best Both great nominations. Okay. Both great fields brought here mm. to the first annual Remy's Awards. But in my first role as judge, I have to go with the most underrated comedy of the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Uncle Buck. Oh, mm. yeah. Uncle Buck. It was tough, though, because I am a huge Norm MacDonald fan, and that was a tough one. Well... I appreciate your uh, vote of confidence, Steve. Oh, you, you bring you keep bringing good choices like that, Tim. You got a good future here in the Remy's. Oh man! All right, so the next ep- the next um, category we have, Megan, is greatest child star okay. of the '80s and '90s. I initially had somebody on this list who I realized was still kind of a child teen star in the '80s, but really. She was kind of bigger in the seventies, so then I had to change my list. Okay. But so who's your second runner-up? No, my my th- my number three choice from Mrs. Doubtfire, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, and Matilda is Mara Wilson. Oh, okay, Mara Wilson. She's a she's like a playwright now, mm-hmm. and she doesn't act anymore. She like kind of retired quite young because uh, she didn't enjoy it. But I just think she was such a great child star, and very sweet and but really believable. And Matilda, she carried that movie. That was a it's a good choice. Yeah, for so, as young as she was, especially. So what's your number three? So my number three, mm-hmm. child star, greatest child star actor or actress of the 1980s and 90s Emmanuel Lewis Webster mm. you gotta a, love Webster that's a pretty good choice Emmanuel Lewis yeah. would be only be second to Gary Coleman but he wasn't a child no he really wasn't he just played he one just, yeah um, Emmanuel mm. Lewis though excellent yeah definitely Emmanuel I, I, Lewis I was adorable yeah he really was kid. so your runner up my, my number two Little Women, Jumanji, Interview with a Vampire, Hmm. Kirsten Dunst. Oh, that's a good one, too. Kirsten Dunst, Hmm. and also the movie Dick, which I almost put in for one of my underrated comedies. But she's such... She she just is a very good actress. And um, even as a kid, I thought that she, like, had actual chops, you know? And then she kind of... I don't know. She made some... She made some different decisions as an adult um, in terms of what she took. I mean, taking, like, Spider-Man, but also Cat's Meow. and it, she's well, had Eternal inter- Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah. That, that she's amazing. She's movie. made some really interesting choices as an adult of, like, what melancholia was a weird... Like, just... I think... I feel like she took the parts that she wanted to take, you yes. know? But, yeah. So, she's my number two. How about you? Okay. So, my number two child actor or actress... Punky Brewster's Soleil Moonfry. Hmm. I don't know much about... Tell me about that. Soleil Moonfry, I mean, if Punky Brewster... Was that Punky Brewster a little bit before your time, Tim? It, it was kind of on the... Yeah, a little bit on the border there. The I'd early say, 80s. Yeah. 
And she played the rambunctious Punky Brewster. She's the one she wears, like, all different colored clothes. She wore different color, like, shoes. And she wore bandanas. Okay. And she was just, like, cool little kid. She'd been adopted. And, uh, you know, she was such an impact, actually, on my childhood that one of my dogs was named Punky Brewster. Stop it! Yeah. (laughs) How have we been married five years yeah. and I did not yep. know that? I had two. I had two. Wow, this really impacted your. I childhood. had two dogs that were brother and sister basset hounds, which are the like the slowest animal ever. And the female was Punky Brewster, and the boy was Nitro. Nice. <laughs> I didn't know that Nitro's sister was Punky Brewster. We just called her Punky usually, but it was. Punky oh my Brewster. gosh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. All right. Number one. Do you want to go first? I'll go first. All right. My this this was this is number one with a bullet. Mm-hmm. Okay. My best child actor or actress of the eighties and nineties, Corey Feldman. Mm, yeah. Okay, think of every Lost Boys, right? Goonies. <laughs> all right. I mean, you it's hard it's hard to throw a dart at the eighties. And hit a movie Corey Feldman's not connected with. He's part of the Brat Pack, right? Or is he considered part of that group? Or is he? No, Brat Pack was a little older. That was Demi Moore. Too old? That okay. was Rob Lowe. Those right. that kind of group. Well, but, whatever. He's still good. But he was so, great. So <laughs> I actually picked somebody who starred in an ABC After School special with Corey Feldman. Oh. This is somebody who. This is a great pick too. Has an amazing career even now, and started off really in the movie ET. And yeah. that is Drew Barrymore. Oh, wow. That's it. But I wow. feel, you know, I don't know. I feel, hmm. I mean, if I were to make an argument, I feel like Drew Barrymore's had an amazing career, but I feel like Corey Feldman was busier in the 80s. Doing cocaine. And movies. <laughs> but which here's the thing. She, <laughs> the thing about Drew. I don't Drew, think you can say that since we know Drew Barrymore Drew, was 10 years old with cocaine in Studio 54. It's true. <laughs> yeah. The thing about Drew Barrymore is that she, um, our dog is trying to get the tuna melt out of Tim's mouth that he ate like a half hour ago. <laughs> um, the thing about Drew Barrymore, right, is that she did go through a really hard time, but then she, she cleaned herself up. She made very deliberate decisions of transitional movies like Poison Ivy when she was a teenager. And then she transitioned into like the girl next door kind of role in like movies that nobody remembers like Home Fries and movies that everybody remembers like The Wedding Singer and and that kind of thing. And now she has a talk show. But she's had like, she's just amazing career, but she also has star power. And I almost picked Mm -hmm. Corey Feldman. But I didn't. I just, I, and I'm not taking it away from you. I think, I think she's a great pick. I think she really is. I, I'm a big fan of hers. But like, like I, when I think of the '80s, I just think of Corey Feldman. And I mean, Corey Feldman. Let's when he transitioned, he also made decisions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, it might have no, geared more towards time. reality shows and things of that nature. But he's still, you know, he's he's still around and. And I just feel like he really, he had a rough time as well, even in, the, as a child actor. But I feel like he was, he was like mass producing movies in the 80s. I know, but the thing mm-hmm. is though, Steve, that some of them, he has great performance. Like if you watch him in Stand By Me, he actually has an amazing performance. Oh, and he's, yeah. he's with Will Wheaton and River Phoenix, who I also almost put on this list. Yes. Having said that, 
he also did stuff like Dream a Little Dream Part 2. Like, he hasn't That was really, probably contractual. He, no, stop it. But Dream a Dream a Little Dream Part 1 was awesome. He we, hasn't... We, we reviewed that. He hasn't really... His acting went downhill as he became an adult. That's all I'm saying. Well, all right, Tim. Luckily, we're not voting a, for Best Adult Star. Yeah. That's true. I'm a little That's surprised true. there was no Fred Savage on the list. Mm. Or... Uh, Who's uh, Neil Patrick Harris, right? But, yeah. Well, but there's so many choices. Much again, like franchises, there's a lot of choices. You know, there is. the '80s and '90s were a time of you know, I, <laughs> Fred, u- utilizing children. Fred, <laughs> Fred Savage, Corey Feldman, <laughs> Will Wheaton, and Melissa Gilbert were all considered for this. I list. consider Melissa Gilbert as well. And also Gilbert Molly well. Ringwald, but Melissa Gilbert and Molly Ringwald were a little bit mm-hmm. older by yeah. that time. I'm gonna have to go. And say that I do, I kind of agree with Steve's argument, even though Megan, I mean, I I really think that early on, obviously, as Gertie or whatever her name was in E.T., great performance as like a four-year-old or whatever she was. But uh, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Steve's choice of Corey Feldman. I think the volume is there in the 80s. And uh, even though Drew Barrymore perhaps had the better career long term, I think as the pure child star... Uh, Corey Feldman's uh, the winner. Excellent. I'm walking out of this room right now. <laughs> this is nonsense. All right. Well, how many people are listening, though, are so frustrated with all these choices? Like, <laughs> I can't believe you didn't pick this movie right, wait, or that also, actor. You know? I want to say that I am in the Corey Feldman fan, book, fan group on Facebook. Yes. That he sometimes posts to. <laughs> so, because he is a great star. There's, some, great there's star. someone I, out there yelling in their car right now, like, how did you not pick Atreo for, yeah. from the never-ending story? <laughs> how did you know who that was? Atreo <laughs> was oh well-known. I can't. I'm sorry. All right, so, best child star. Yeah. Corey Feldman. By the way, we didn't do that for the last one. That's all right. Whatever. <laughs> all right. So the next one, the next Remy's category is best cartoon. And this is Steve versus. Tim. I got to tell you, this is the one I had so much trouble thinking about. There were so there were so many, many possibilities. We all should right. have spe- specified and, it as eighties. Yeah, and if it were eighties, yeah, and that's the thing. You could pick earlier childhood or later childhood. You know and. So, Tim, what was your Steve, third choice? My third choice... Am I allowed to have three third choices? <laughs> I know it's tough, but I had to narrow it down as well. I guess... You know what? I guess I have to go with the one that I actually watched, which was G.I. Joe. Okay. Um, it's a classic, and, you know, they did those PSAs at the end, which have become memes now. <laughs> or they did they were memes a few years ago. Yep. Um, Knowing is half yeah. the battle, Tim. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, yeah, it was uh, definitely a staple of my childhood growing up. It's a great pick. It's a staple uh, of my childhood. But it did not make my list, surprisingly. Well, there's just, there's too many choices. And we reviewed G.I. Joe in season one. Mm. Um, My number three choice um, for best cartoon Thundercats. Mm. (laughs) Feel the magic, hear the roar. Yeah. Thunder, 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 yeah. cats. See, this is the slight, age, the very slight age difference. That's a little it's a bit little out of too my for you, time yeah. period, just slightly. He's six so. years older than you are. It's I know, but really you'd a... be surprised. Yeah, it's, you know. I'm saying it's not like he's like six months older. Than yeah, yeah, that's true. true. That's true. <laughs> so, okay, yeah. Thundercats, GI Joe. But it's a good choice. What's your number two? 
again, I have a really tough time, but I think when I dive down on the show that I always wanted to watch the most and I, I could barely catch it when it came on, when I came home from school, was uh, DuckTales. Mm. Okay. I And I always wanted to build myself, you know. Mm-hmm. In reality, if you had a, a vault full of gold and you dove into it, yeah. you'd probably kill yourself. But <laughs> That was on my consideration list. But that, yeah. Great. DuckTales is a great, great intro. Is a great one. You can actually start this podcast probably with the intro music from that. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> that was on my that was on my list. And actually another honorary mention that didn't make my list that I thought of was Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. Oh, you know, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, I had that well, I had Tailspin on my list, which has Chippendale's characters True. on it, but um, that was on my not on my list, but yeah. on my you know. But Ducktales is a solid choice. Mention so my number two choice for best cartoon, I had to go back kind of like you did with GI Joe to something that influenced me as a kid big time, mm-hmm. Transformers. Yeah. More than meets mm-hmm. the eye. <laughs> that battle, that ever raging evil versus good Autobots versus the Decepticons, just pulled me in. I mean. It's an all-time classic, too, especially with the movie franchise now elevating yep. it. But it's tough to argue with. Um, my choice is a little... It, it's probably... It definitely doesn't have the reach of Transformers, but... Um, this my, is your number one now. All right, my number one choice... Um, again, it's a, it's not probably one that has as broad reach as... And I don't even know that most people even have seen it. Uh, but I think Megan knows that... Um, my personal favorite when I was really younger was Muppet Babies. That's a good choice. Yeah. We reviewed, we reviewed that. that as well. <laughs> I loved that uh, cartoon. Nanny, you could never see above her knees. Very annoying. <laughs> but, you know, is what it is. Actually, it was kind of like, in a, in a way, it was kind of like a magic school bus, what with Muppets, you know? Mm-hmm. They'd go on adventures and whatnot. And and then and always in the the yeah. nursery. And we stuff. talked about mm. when we looked at Muppet Babies. A lot of it's about imagination and play. Mm. And yeah, we talked about that a lot when we did it. And as Muppets, I nice. Mean, it's great. That's a. Solid I mean, there's choice. so many. You know, this again. Sorry, I just wanted to say this was such tough for me because you have all the Nickelodeon shows like Doug and Rugrats, mm-hmm. Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, it was it was a tough category. But so my number one best cartoon choice, mm-hmm. and this is hard because we had so many to choose from mm-hmm. in the eighties and nineties. This is a kind of a callback a little bit to your number two choice, but I had to go with Darkwing Duck. Oh, let's get dangerous! Wow, is best Darkwing really? Duck. I it's loved best. Darkwing Duck. It was like it was like the. Disney dark. It was like the Disney Duck version of Batman. Yeah. He was rich, but then he became a superhero. Oh my goodness! See what you and I did for this category number one. We went with our personal, not what the general public no, would consider with the, the best general public cartoon. <laughs> We're picking Muppet Babies and Darkwing Duck <laughs> to the hell with everyone else. You know? All right, here here's the thing. Is for me, this is a clear choice for Muppet Babies. Having said that, we already reviewed Muppet Babies, so. Muppet Baby is technically the winner. Darkwing Duck, we will definitely watch okay. next season. I guess I'll take that. Right. So that's another so, L for Steve right. because the Cassidy's have decided to <laughs> gang up on him. Well, that's not my last name anymore, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> so our winner is yeah. Muppet, Muppet Babies. Babies. Muppet Babies. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Trademark. Our next category is Megan versus Tim. 
and that is the TV show that deserves a reboot. But does anything really deserve a reboot, though? If it was, <laughs> was good enough, it yeah. does. And you know what the funny thing about me trying to think about this? I kept thinking about things, and I was like, oh, that has already been rebooted. That's the tough We've part thought of this of, no, We have a no originality by the writers right. in the last 10 I years. I actually have really clear <laughs> reasons for each one of my picks. Okay, great. To, for it to be I good. have no clear reasons, so this okay. should be a great battle. So... My third pick is a movie that I think they should do as a TV show, kind of like they did with League of Their Own. Mm -hmm. And that is Fried Green Tomatoes. Fried Green Tomatoes is a great book, and it spans two different time periods, from like 1920 to like 1940, and then like also in the 80s, 90s. Mm -hmm. So I think that if you did that as a TV show, I think it would work really great. About like the time in between? Because it had a definite ending to the movie when they're old. and So you're talking like about adventures that they had. No, the no, no. I'm talking about redoing that story, but as a TV okay. show in a long form. Like a Netflix I also, show. Yeah, and but I that's also... that's a movie. That, right? It's it was a never movie. A TV yeah, she's show. saying a movie that like, she thinks should be a TV ah, show. They did that with um, with League of Their Own. They, yeah. ha- they took the mm. movie, but then they made it into a TV show. And I also... A lot of people complain that... The writer was gay. There are gay undertones, but it really wasn't clear because people weren't out in the 90s when it when it mm-hmm. first came out at 91. And so I just think, yeah, I think as a TV show, you could explore the relationships more and it would it would bring out comedy and it would also be cool to see the different time periods. So. Okay. So, Tim, your number three show that deserves a reboot. This was a weird choice for me because I actually don't really remember it that well in terms of what it was, but I remember that I enjoyed watching it. Okay. So, The Adventures of Young Indiana Jones. Yes. Was a great series. And I remember That's that, a good pick. Yeah, it is a good pick. I remember really enjoying it, but I think it only had like two seasons and then one off the Yeah, end. it wasn't a lot, but I it's remember River it Phoenix. You know what? It's actually not River Phoenix. No? no. It I just looked looks it, like him? I, all right, don't quote me. I feel like I looked it up before, and I because I thought the same thing. I thought it was River Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. I think it was after. It's him. Uh, it's somebody else, slightly famous, but um, but yeah, I mean, it's also part of a major franchise and um, kind of an interesting take on the Indiana Jones uh, genre and everything. You know, so. definitely. So, Megan, what was your number two choice? All right, my number two choice. Was Fraggle Rock. Because the Muppets have been redone a bunch of different times, but they've never redone Fraggle Rock. I think they might have had a cartoon version, but it aired like around the same time as the original show. And I just think that because of where they live and stuff, it's like a timeless show. Okay. And I think it would be really cool to bring back. I liked big things that they would go and see. That it was like the guy and his mom and dad who were like king and queen. They were like big trolls or whatever. Yeah, I forgot and then they that. had Uncle Traveling Matt who would do things. And I just think that even kids today would like it and enjoy it. So that was my number two pick. It's a good pick. Um, I went with a uh, all time eighties nineties classic with this one for my number two, Golden Girls. Mm. Oh, that's my knowledge. It hasn't. One. Yeah, it has not been. They redone. did Golden Palace or whatever, which was kind of a spinoff with three of them. I think when okay. one of them left. But um, the thing I think about this, even though it's so iconic and it had you know very famous leads, I feel like now you could uh, find any four you know people who are you know very strong uh, female leads and, and redo that. 
Um, yeah. Or even do it with guys. You could do no, I think... Golden guys. Golden guys. <laughs> I don't think it would work quite yeah. the same way. That I think that's a good thing, like too. Work, that's but. a nice pick. All right. We're down to number one. You mm. go first. I'm ready for my judgments. <laughs> no one's going to go with me on this one, but... All right, I went with a Nickelodeon show for this one. Okay. And uh, I actually did not pick. It's a it's a game show, um, and I went with Guts. Oh. I don't even remember, remember Guts. Guts. So <laughs> Guts was the most amazing game show, and at the end of it, you know, it was three kids facing off to decide who is the greatest. You know, whatever. Uh, they had to climb the aggro crag. Was like this big fake mountain, yes. and they had to like I forget what they had to do on it, you know, different tasks. And then if you won, you got a piece of the aggro crag as your trophy, <laughs> and no money. Yeah, and then and then you know I want it redone exactly the same also <laughs> with a British female announcer Mo or whatever her name was. You know, let's bring it back to you, Mo. <laughs> you know, so that's my my number one. All right, nice. so Megan, number one show that deserves a reboot. My number one show starring Sean Patrick Flannery, mm-hmm. not River Phoenix, <laughs> is Young Indiana Jones. <laughs> oh, so it was on wow. both your lists. And, and your again, number one you didn't even realize. My number one was your number two for the same exact reason. It is part of a great franchise. It was an amazing show. George Lucas actually developed the show. Um, I think that it would have been, I think probably it was too expensive to make and they didn't market it right, but I think that you could have it today and, and it would be amazing yeah. and, and do it justice and have it be like the show that it should have been. Okay. So these are both two good ones. I'm not sure much about what guts is, but I liked your description of it. Um, <laughs> and, and, but on the other hand, I'm hesitant to go with young Indiana Jones because if it was that great, then Indiana Jones would have been the best franchise of the 80s and 90s. <laughs> I almost and since you guys didn't culture, choose that. Culturally, uh, no, it I think I have to go with Young Indiana Jones. Right. It was on both your lists. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I'm not as familiar with Guts, unfortunately. And let, let's just say, Megan and I did not collude on that at all. No, but we legitimately didn't That's talk about That's such an obscure show. I'm surprised that you found it, too, or yeah. thought of it. Um, I looked up, I wanted something specifically. I was looking for kids' shows of the 80s and 90s, and I was like, oh my gosh, that show was so good. Excellent. All that right. brings us. Wait, so. Yeah. Young, Young Indiana, Indiana Jones. Jones. The, the, the winner of the Remy's TV show that deserves a reboot. All right, now, on the opposite end of the spectrum, Tim versus Steve. The most overrated. TV show. Mm. And I can guess what's going to be on Steve's list. I'll start us off. Okay. <laughs> Third choice on my list of most overrated TV shows, Murphy Brown. <laughs> really? Yeah. Interesting choice. I watched it as a kid and I just never got into it as much. It was very political and you really have to be a Candace Berman fan. And I just, mm. you know, it never... I th- but a lot of people were like, oh, Murphy Brown, it's so good. I think it was one of those things where people were like, it's supposed to be a political smart show, so if we talk about it and seem like we like it, then that makes us smart, too. I wanted to be a reporter because of that show. That's sad. <laughs> I know. <laughs> anyway. Uh, well, I have a, I, th- my pick is a little bit weird for number the, three. That in the movie The Paper. Um, 
Because I actually, I actually really like this show, but early on it was amazing, and it's just completely gone downhill. Mm. So my number three is The Simpsons. Oh, that's a good choice. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, it, you know, early on with the writers being all amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was that's epic, a hot take. Epic show, Treehouse of Horror, love them all. Of the you know early nineties. And then it just kind of fizzled out, but it, yet it's continued on. I know, but that's like a hot it, take. There's some Simpsons fans out there that yeah, are going to be like, what's he be talking about? We just me. lost five subscribers. <laughs> well, don't worry, because I'm going to help you lose the other five. I know what because you're going to say. Because my number two most overrated TV show, uh, Friends. Yeah, there it is. Wow. I don't yeah. care how much everyone thinks that they loved Friends. No one cares about friends. <laughs> it's a it's a bunch of pretentious late twenty, early thirty year olds sitting in a coffee shop. I don't. And think they had to watched. add a monkey to try to make it interesting, and the monkey outshone everybody. Okay, that's my thoughts on friends. They had the monkey in like three episodes of season one. Best three episodes stop, of the show. Stop it! I can't stop. even. I cannot believe that you picked friends because. I also picked Friends <laughs> excellent. as my number two choice as the most overrated the TV show. Actually, I have a f- not really that funny of a story, but I was in college 2004, and I'm in the dorm room, and uh, I see you know my friend Nally's like watching TV. I'm like, what is this? She's like, oh, this is the series finale of Friends. I was like, this show is still on? How is it still on? Like, I remember it from like 1995 or 96 or whatever. First season was was pretty good. I'll give them that. And then you know, then you just you're like, what is this? You know. I mean, all right. A lot of people love it. I get it. But how are they affording that place? How are they able to live that lifestyle? It's rent control. It's supposed to be her grandma's apartment. So that should be the winner, just because we both agree. (laughs) No, I'm not saying it's not a you know. It's obviously an iconic show, but I I just think it's a little overrated. All right. Well, I really like it, but I, I understand why why some people don't, especially guys. I can pretty much guess what your first choice is going to be, but why don't you tell us? My number one most overrated TV show of the 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. Seinfeld. Oh, You're not going to agree on this one. I cannot stand like Seinfeld. It. It's just, no. it's like, it's a stereotype of like the neurotic New Yorker. And I just, I never dug it. I mean, I watched it, I tried watching it a number of times, and it never had any kind of plot that caught my interest. There is no, that's the point, there is no plot. Yeah, that's a stupid basis for a TV show. <laughs> oh man, well I, I obviously vehemently disagree. That might be my all-time favorite TV show of the 90s, Tim. actually. We used to talk about every episode after Thursdays. The next day. It's a Tim, water, we water show. We just, we just bonded on Friends. And now we're going to... I know, I know, yeah. Well, I have very strong feelings about number one as well. Okay. Because um, it's actually the show that always faced off against Seinfeld. Frasier. Ugh. Stupid TV show. Mm-hmm. Not funny. I don't disagree with that. Completely overrated. And it kept winning award after award after award against Seinfeld. I, it blew my mind every year. I was like... Who is watching this show? But you know what blows but, my mind know. is I don't disagree with you. And has that has it, it stood the test had, of time? Frasier has definitely not stood the test of time. So compared so, to Friends or Friends. What blows my mind is it was a spin-off of Cheers, which, which was a good great. show. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I okay. Here's there my, are funny parts here's, of Frasier. Here's my like take. Any other show, but. When Seinfeld was on, I thought it was hilarious. The problem, I'm gonna go dark. <laughs> the problem with Seinfeld, I feel. 
I've tried to rewatch it now. Post 9-11, New York really changed. It doesn't hold and up. And so it doesn't hold up because you're, you're debating about stupid things like who paid for the salad. And after 9-11, I feel like the tone shift, and maybe not now, but I'm saying like 2001, right. 2002, 2003. What does 9-11 have anything to do with Because New York... It all brings back to, brings no, us back when to When there was a tragedy, people didn't care about the little stuff anymore. That's what I'm trying to say. I, I got you. So yeah. that's the thing about Seinfeld. I don't know. I still watch Seinfeld. Having said that, Frasier is one of the, the shows that I think is the most, for the exact same reason. <laughs> The character was great it on Cheers. Emmys. When like you how? T- when you take the whole point of Frasier, Steve and I talked about this, is that he's a fish out of water in Cheers in this like blue collar bar, and mm-hmm. he's talking about like poetry and like you know Freud. Mm-hmm. And when you take him out of that, and you just have him and his equally pretentious brother, yeah. when you put him around other people that have the same gimmick as he is, it's funny. not funny. And it's not a funny show at all. The only funny episodes are when they have people from Cheers, like Lilith right. comes to visit or. Sam comes to visit or whatever. No, it's not a funny show, and I wholeheartedly agree. So that wins. <laughs> there's the, so the many anti Remy. There's definitely a lot of angry people out there right now. I who really love Frasier or Friends. I know. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. Friends, at least, I, I couldn't. I couldn't blame people for liking it. Like, yeah. I, I kind of get it. But all okay. right. So yeah. Frasier. The most overrated TV show. Congratulations. The next category is the Remy's worst performance by a good actor. All right. And listen. this will be Tim versus Megan. Listen, mm-hmm. I know you don't have three for this one. Mm-hmm. I put a lot of thought into this. A I don't That's why thought. I couldn't think of too many. I mean, there's many out there. No, there are many. And I picked I'm just not my top three, I think, will be surprising, except maybe my number one. All right. Number three. This individual ruined this movie for me, and it's one of my favorite books of all time, and they made it into a miniseries, and that is Molly Ringwald in The Stand. Stop reading all your lines off a cue card, Molly Ringwald. You can act in other things. She's like, oh no, Stu, don't go. You're going to... Fight the devil, man. I mean, sixteen candles, Molly Ringwald. I know. In her defense, are many Stephen King adapted movies that good? Other the than like Green is, Mile and yeah, because the problem is that she's up against Gary Sinise, one of the greatest actors of our generation. <laughs> That's like, true. He's yeah. an amazing actor. He's That's acting funny. his heart out, and they have no chemistry. He's like. Franny, I have to go, and she's like, "Oh no, don't go." That's Gary Sinise. You give him respect. <laughs> I don't know if she just needs John Hughes to act well. Like, I don't know what the deal is. Okay, so yeah. Tim, did you have two for this? Guy? Yeah, so Megan right. should just go into her number two, I guess. Well, you go into two. Oh, I'll go, in, I'll go yeah, into two. You do two, and then yeah. I'll do two. I'm actually going to switch up what I had initially, and I have okay. an argument for my number one. Okay. Because the argument has to be made they're good actors to begin with. <laughs> but uh, my, my number two, I'm going to go with John Goodman mm. in King Ralph. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a good choice. <laughs> really, that's a good choice. I mean, kind of, you know, I don't choice. even know what to say about the movie, really. <laughs> Maybe it's more the movie than John's mm-hmm. acting, but, you know, not his greatest role. And I do think he's a good actor. He's, he's oh, been John in a lot Goodman's of stuff phenomenal. more recently. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of his best roles was that Cloverfield movie. Yeah, he that was, was a good movie. He was amazing in that movie. Mm. Not a comedy, but Cloverfield amazing. Lane. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> My number two pick. Mm. This is... A blockbuster star. This is somebody who has won Oscars. 
This is somebody who should have won more Oscars than they did win. And that is Leonardo DiCaprio in the show Growing Pains. Well, he was very young. <laughs> I mean, you're taking an Oscar, you're an Oscar-winning no, actor, and you're going no, when stop. he was five. No, he was, he was terrible. Not, he was not five. I think he was like eight or nine. And a couple years after this, he did What's Eating Gilbert Grape, which so was you great, can't, which was amazing, yeah. and. He is the kid that they bring in because they know that the series is failing and it's just supposed to be adorable little kid. Mm-hmm. So he didn't have the acting shot. Do you know He's also, cutting his teeth. Wait, do you know also Brad Pitt also had a guest star role in many episodes of Growing Interesting. Pain? There's an interview with both of them talking about it. I'll put it on our Facebook. I'll put it up <laughs> on our Facebook because the interview of them both talking about how they were in Growing Pains is pretty funny. Okay. All right, Tim, what's your number one? Uh, my number one, uh, first I want to make the argument, my my number one is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. And I okay. do think he's a good actor because, okay. first of all, he's a blockbuster name. People wouldn't watch him if he wasn't a good actor. No, agreed. He has a certain charisma. Yes, he's not Meryl Streep or Robert De Niro, but he has his own niche of, you know, He's pulled How, off comedy. He's, he's pulled off. Yeah. Yeah. And he's gotten better, I think, as an actor, you know, and delivering lines and whatnot as time has gone on. But anyway, so that's, you know, first of all, I have to establish he is a good actor. Yes. In his own, w- in his own way. Twins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 1990, what, two? Yeah, Danny um, DeVito. No. <laughs> it was early Schwarzenegger, and there's one particular scene where he's he says this line like, and Vincent... You're a part of my life, and I'm a part of yours, or it's something like that. And I mean, it's just—it's not delivered so well. So that's your nomination for hundred percent worst, yeah. performance, worst performance, performance by good actor. That, okay, well, you know, he was put—it's you know—he was put in more of a dramatic role there, and it wasn't quite again his niche. So also, well, but Kindergarten Cop, he was great in. That's true. Yeah, interesting. So yeah. he's not Meryl Streep, but you know who is Meryl Streep. <laughs> and you know what she was in? Uh, a little movie starring Roseanne Barr called She Devil. Oh. Oh. So, if you've never seen it, Roseanne Barr movie. plays a, a a very ugly housewife whose husband leaves her for Meryl Streep. He's her accountant and she is a, a romance novelist. Yes. And she talks like this through the whole film. And, she, and Roseanne Barr very slowly destroys her life. Yeah. It had a potential, but she is not good in it. And it's surprising to me that she did this movie. <laughs> yeah. It is a horrible movie. I, Even the greats miss once in a while. You know? I am... That's a t- this is a tough one. Because both of these are really renowned actors who both were not in great movies. Um, Perhaps Meryl Streep a little more renowned in, yeah. in, in, in her own way, but but I, I am gonna go. I'm gonna go with no. Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, you're not. Oh, no, you're not. Arnold Schwarzenegger. I actually can't stop be- it. I actually and can't I will, believe and, that. And, and that's just because you want to watch Twins and you don't want to watch. No, I've she seen Devil. She Devil, and I have nothing against it. <laughs> I'm just picking it because th- this is. I cannot believe this is my. It. Arnold Schwarzenegger in Twins. And the only thing that I will add to that is you really could have locked this down easier Mm -hmm. if you would put up Arnold Schwarzenegger in Junior. Oh, oh think bad. about where that. he was the pregnant dad. Yeah, that was the problem I had with this category is that some of these really bad movies he's, I never even really 
but this is supposed to be by a good actor right. or actress. He's not. I mean, he's good in a few things, but he's um, no Meryl Streep. No, Come he's, on, he's good. He's good in his own. Okay, in his you own, are nonsense. In his own genres, Stop. he's good. You can file any complaints you have with the administration. I will. All right. Um, Up next, <laughs> you versus me. So let's get that aggression out. Most overrated movie. 1984's Rhinestone. Okay, get this. Somebody thought this was a great idea. Sylvester Stallone is a cab driver who can't sing. And Dolly Parton is a famous country music singer who's going to teach him and make him into a singer. I'm so glad you didn't put that for your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch that <laughs> I don't think I've Most ever... overrated. And everybody at the time was like, Sylvester Stallone, Dolly Parton. To her, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've never actually seen it, but no. you just. Steve pulled the big guns it. out for this one. I've heard of it, but you describing the plot is hysterically funny. Yeah. That sounds amazing, okay. actually. My number three movie, I don't think it's overrated now, but it was at the time. And everybody I knew like wanted to watch this movie a million times, and that is Clerks. Mm-hmm. It's it's mildly amusing. There are really long takes. It's in black and white. It's basically a student film. And I get that it launched a couple people's careers, right? Mm-hmm. And they got Jay and Silent Bob out of it. I just didn't find it like that funny. And at the time, people were like, oh, we have to watch Clerks like all the time. And it drove me crazy. That's your prerogative. I was a Clerks fan, but I can understand. I, it's not bad. I just It's overrated. All right. So my number two choice for most overrated movie, 1988. Everyone for that entire year was talking about this movie and how great it was. And it was artistic and it was deep thought provoking. And I hate it. And I can't stand to see it even mentioned. That's the only explanation I'm giving for this movie. Okay. okay? <laughs> A Fish Called Wanda. Oh, uh, yeah. I remember that movie. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's Jamie, all I'm saying. Jamie Lee Curtis and Kevin Klein. I don't need to hear your nonsense. Okay. It was, ter- it was overrated. <laughs> that might, That's, I guess, why people thought it was so great, but it wasn't. Um, okay, so Megan. All right. I'm going to get a lot of hate for this one. This is just a personal... More than clerks? Yeah. <laughs> this is just a personal thing. I just don't find it that funny. Okay. I think its plot is scattered and all over the place. And I do like Bill Murray, and he's in it. But Caddyshack, I don't get. I don't get it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wow. And I know that other people wow. like that it. Wow, pull some hate. That's a hot top. I know other people love it. And I actually should have put it for my number one, because my number one, I really don't want to watch. I would be willing to revisit Caddyshack and maybe... See if I'm wrong. Can I say something about that, too? Because yeah. I actually caddied at Country Club of Buffalo when growing up. Yeah. And it was crazy after... Because I watched the movie first and then I caddied. How much similarity there was, actually. It held up to, to real stuff life, that, huh? Like, some stuff that would actually happen, like playing basketball. Yeah. Just, like, little details and stuff was, like, spot on. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, there's some ridiculous elements to All the right. movie. All right, so... I don't know. I don't know about that one, Meg. But. My number one. Most overrated movie of the 80s and 90s. The year is 1997. Yep. We have the same And I wish this movie would sink just like the ship it's named after. 
the Titanic. <laughs> Listen, there's no voting on this because this is a clear winner. Is this what and, you had to? And now we're gonna have to watch it because we've promised if I that we hear will. Celine Dion. No. You know what's funny? I would have. I had anyone had Titanic and any other movie. I would have chosen Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so it's a clear winner for you. Dan. I actually I this is kind of crazy, but I have never seen the movie full through, and I never saw it in theaters when it came out. So yeah, you've never seen that movie all the way through. I refused to, to go see it when it came out. I refused so, to watch it. Later. I worked in the movie theater for Titanic, yeah. so Tim and I worked at the same movie theater, but at different times. This guy, I think, was probably stealing from his own company right embezzling probably he had no cash registers which was it was the lockport mall and most days it would be slow and then titanic came out and people would be like i need six kids tickets and three adult tickets and two seniors and you're like i have to add all that in my head and the tickets are like 575 like he yeah, didn't even yeah. have it just straight so you're trying to like add all this in your head you're adding there's, VAT and there's he also had no credit card machine so we had to be like cash only mm. it was craziness it was craziness and the titanic but getting back to the movie but i yeah. but i worked in the theater for that movie and i did have it on VHS i did i i enjoyed it i just think that it's overrated, it's overrated. and it did get overplayed especially the Celine Dion music and now we're going to have to watch it some okay it. so all right the next category of the oh well, wait we have to say it Oh, so. so the most overrated movie, yeah. the Titanic. Titanic. Okay. All right. Number ten. Uh, the, our, our next category, the Remy's, scared me f- or I'm sorry, scarred me for life. Yeah, the scariest kid or family movie. All right, this is also me versus Steve. Steve, I put a lot of thought into this one. My number three pick. There's a demon in this. Okay. And it chases after the protagonist, and that is the last unicorn. Oh. We that's watched a good this one. in school on yeah. like the day before Halloween or something, because you know, no teacher wants to teach when they're all the kids are hopped up on candy. People legit started crying. Like some of the people in my class. We were like third, second or third grade, and the kids were like crying because this demon is this demon bull is chasing the last unicorn. That is a good one, because I like yeah. the last unicorn. It was a good actually. it was a good movie, but it did scar me for This is a little life. different because I took it as scariest movies I saw as a kid or with family. Come on now, that's totally different. And so now that you're I'm hearing your takes on it, it's a little different, but it's okay. We're gonna go with this. Number three, 1987's Hellraiser. Steve. I saw it as a ten-year-old in 1987, and <laughs> classic. The pinhead. Pinhead. pinhead the yeah. thing about Hellraiser is, I to this day can't tell you anyone who was in it. Yeah, it had no big star, but Just Pinhead pinhead. and the other demons out of the box. I, oh no! Iconic front box at yes. Blockbuster. Yes. I always remember seeing that at Blockbuster yeah. with the. Yeah. And Netflix just redid it, and I haven't seen the new one yet. But that's Devils. I'm not watching. We'll that. see. So go ahead, number two. Number two, possibly scarier than Hellraiser. I legit okay so this has come up we were going to watch this for the podcast and I turned it on and I was like I can't do it I can't do mm-hmm. it I can't Secret of Nim 
Oh, come on. I can't Secret of Nim was a great movie. Secret of Nim. <laughs> I loved it. I've seen that movie so many times. Listen, I read the book. First of all, it's rats. Secondly, the rats... That falls out rats, of your Elizabethan uh, specialty. <laughs> That's true. The it does. <laughs> where an amulet, one of them comes up and it's like dead and it's like... Uh, and spinning around with this freaking amulet on. There's rats that are like... No, I can't deal with no. I can't deal with that movie. I cannot deal with that. Okay, movie. well, je- almost as scary is my number two, 1984's Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm. I saw it in 1984 as a seven-year-old, and it first has Robert en- Robert England in it, who's probably one of the greatest horror scary movie actors. Robert of England is the goat. Okay, yeah. he is the goat. Mm-hmm. Also had Johnny Depp in it. Mm. Young Johnny Depp, probably one of his first, you know. Also, that girl from Just the Ten of Us. Yeah, I don't remember anybody else who's in it. Her, her, name, her name, Amber Heard. No. no, no. But Nightmare on Elm Street <laughs> literally had me afraid to go to sleep for days on end. Yeah. Because that's when Freddy gets you. We had True. very different childhoods. <laughs> okay. My number one is a little more family ish. A little bit, but not. If we have so, the same number one. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I will go first. Okay. This movie was supposed to be maybe a sequel, but it can only be called the weirdest reboot of all time. There are severed heads. There are people with rollerblades for hands. <laughs> we do there not is have a the same. Talking chicken. Oh my gosh. And there is a stone I know monster. What you're going with, I know what this is. And it stars Frizula Balk. And Return this to is Oz. Return to Oz. I knew where you were going with that. Return to Oz. I mean, look, the regular Oz scarred some kids with the flying monkeys, but you get over that and then you enjoy it as an adult. Return to Oz, it starts off with Dorothy talking about Oz and they think she's crazy. So they send her to the insane asylum where she gets shock therapy treatment. And then there's a flood. I can't even deal with this whole movie. It is weird from start to finish. It's one of the creepiest things I've ever seen. Go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> 1990, Network Television decided to put a miniseries on. Oh, okay. Stephen King's It. That's a good choice. Starring Tim Curry. And what they did, these sadistic bastards, is they put it on Sunday night, then Monday night football. So you had to wait till Tuesday for the next part in the in the finale of this miniseries. <laughs> Okay, so as a 12, 13-year-old kid, I saw this, and even though it was on network TV, it was scary as heck. I actually think this is, to argue for you for a minute, even though I think mine's creepier for kids especially, the Stephen King's It from TV is actually scarier than the new version. And I'll tell you why. It's because, well, number one, structurally, it's done correctly. The whole point is to parallel the kids and the adults. So mm-hmm. having It Part 1 be the kids and having It Part 2 be the adults totally ruins the structure. Right. Number it's two, going back and forth. Thanks. It's like the thing with Jaws. Jaws is scarier when you just see the fin and you see the girl yes. being pulled underwater and you don't actually see the shark. And It... The movie, the feature film that was recent, ruins that. It's like radio versus like. I'm just going to throw a little bit in my own corner here. Cast Tim Curry, Richard Thomas, John Boy, Annette O'Toole, Seth Green, John Ritter. All right. Okay, I mean. I'm going to throw a thing in my pool and say a chicken yelling, Dorothy! I don't know about that. All right. 
Tim, we leave it at your capable judgment. I Moby with the heads, Tim. You know what's um, funny on. is when you announced the category, the first movie that popped in my mind was Return to Oz. <laughs> oh, Tim. But no. I think, no, I think that the category on. is scariest movie. And while I find Return to Oz incredibly creepy and it could give me like kind of weird nightmares in terms of pure... Horror scariness, uh, the It a miniseries is definitely the winner. Excellent, thank you. Yeah. I don't disagree with Return to Oz, but I think you're right, Tim. Return to Oz is like discerning. The right. category. It's like, uh, it makes me feel uncomfortable the, yeah. and it's very weird. The category is but. family kid movie. I feel like if it was put on network TV as a miniseries, it's family. What? Right. They're bathed in blood and it's implied that like... The that, guy not in the original one. Yes, it is. In the book, even. I'm sticking with it. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> Finally. Stop it. Okay. Ne- and now you have to find the miniseries. All right. Next. next category. This is Megan versus Tim. So, so bad, bad it's, it's good. good. Best campy fun movie. Mm-hmm. What's your number three pick? I have a good number three, actually, with an actor that you just mentioned, John Ritter. Uh, oh. Stay tuned. Oh, that's a good pick. pick. I thought you were going to go with Problem Child, but that's uh, a good pick. I'm not a big Problem Child fan, but also could be Stay tuned, the one with the demonic satellite dish? Yeah, Yeah. he buys a a cable dish that uh, the uh, principal from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I can't remember his name, um, is, you know, kind of like a henchman for the devil. Yes. (laughs) Sells him a dish that sends him to hell, and they have to work their way out of it, so... Classic uh, comedy from the nineties. That's a good. That's a good pick. It's so bad. It's good. It really. Is. My my. I want to say I had a number four pick, mm-hmm. and that was Troop Beverly Hills. But we already reviewed oh, yeah. that, so I yes. didn't put it in my categories. My number three pick involves tribal dancing, <laughs> involves nerds versus popular kids, <laughs> and it involves buying somebody for a date. So that you can become popular by dating them, and that is Can't Buy Me Love. Okay. It is a great classic 80s teen comedy, and it's everything you want in a teen comedy, but it's not good. Okay. But it is good, can't be fun. So, Tim, number two. It sounds spectacular. So bad it's good. Uh, number two, I went with um, kind of a classic, actually, but it is so bad. Which is Weekend at Bernie's. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a good... It's <laughs> so terrible. Such a ridiculous uh, movie. Um, but I love it. All right. All right. My number two is a forgotten film that mm-hmm. I don't think many people remember at all. That makes it forgotten. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Lily Tomlin plays two parts. Bette Midler plays two parts. And that is Big Business. Oh, okay. Yeah. Twins from the country, and one of them gets swapped with a twin from the city, and twins from the city, one of them gets swapped with twins from I the I actually country. do remember that movie, and let me tell you, I found it somewhere recently on Netflix it's, or no, wherever. No, it's Disney Plus. Oh, okay. I found it on Disney Plus, and I actually did watch it again, or I tried to. Does it hold up? No. No. <laughs> I almost, I couldn't even agree with that as so bad it's good. But Bette Midler, it no, bad. it is. I think, it, I think it's so bad it's good. Bette Midler is yodeling. They, they have a scene where she dresses up and she goes into the boardroom and she's like, I'm going to be bossy. They swap partners, like not in the way that you think. Like they, <laughs> they trade like ex-husbands yeah. or something. It's hilarious. 
And I always liked it. Yeah, big business. Okay, so we got to get to our number one. All right, what's your number one, Tim? So bad it's good. Again, I didn't have as... I don't know if I had as creative picks as you guys, but I feel like this movie... It is just good, but it's also ridiculous, which is The Goonies. Oh, okay. Okay, In a way, I mean, yeah, it's a classic now, but I mean, the plot is ridiculous. (laughs) Meeting this, like, you know monstrous sloth guy <laughs> who's also friendly and has been chained up for years by his family members. Finding I mean, a Spanish ship in yeah, California. I, yeah. I actually think that There's that so movie many, is just I, genuinely good. But I, they I, do call the treasure rich stuff which does annoy me. <laughs> like, it's, it's they're like 12. You know what the word treasure is. There's but. elements of it that are just kind of ridiculous. and uh, So for that reason, I think it's bad in a way. Mm. But it's also great bad. It's kind of like a movie like you would imagine that if you were 13 and you wanted to make a movie, but then you're actually Steven Spielberg and an amazing filmmaker and like you made it. So Tim's nominee so. is Goonies. What is your right. So Bad It's Good nominee? It could be cheating. Mine is another Meryl Streep movie. That is not a good movie. But there's something about it that I do find enthralling, and that is Death Becomes Her. Mm. Death Becomes Her is... That's a good choice. Goldie Hawn, Meryl Streep, and Bruce Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis, yeah. Bruce Willis is hilarious as, like, the schlubby straight guy who's married to one of them and kind of trying to have an affair with the other. They both take this potion that keeps them alive, but then they... If you get injured, it doesn't... It doesn't prevent the injury, right? So, like, there's a lot of interesting special effects for that time period. And I have to say, if I'm recalling correctly, really not too much happens except that it's it's a satire and a spoof about, like, plastic surgery culture at that time. And I just think it's a funny movie. And doesn't at the end, like... They're, they're like walking out together and like her skin is falling off or something yeah. and then like her head, her head falls off yeah it's a ridiculous yeah. ending because they've beaten too. each other up but they they end up like yeah and then no one can help them put themselves back together anymore yeah exactly kind of so yeah. I I'm gonna have to go with Death Becomes Her for this category yeah. it's, it's so bad it's good because I will tell you sense. I remember watching that in theaters when it first came out what year was it I think it, I didn't have the year. I think it was 91, though. 90, okay. 90 91. I remember somewhere. watching it when it first came out, and, and in my memory going, that was a hilarious, great movie. And then I watched it like two years ago. It was on like HBO or something, mm-hmm. and I was like, this is terrible. Yeah. And so because of that, I feel like it fits. <laughs> like, I still watched it, yeah. but I was like, yeah. this is not as great as I remember. This is a bad movie. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it at least since like maybe 96. Mm-hmm. What like- if I had gone with a movie like The Room? I mean, because that's like, is that even in, is that this in the 90s? I don't I think so. Ni- that, maybe. Uh, I think it is pushing, in the 90s, but... Yeah. but- what was I your... mean, that's just so bad. Like, is it even considered, you know... I went more mainstream, I think. Yeah. So, our So Bad It's Good category, Death, Death Becomes Her. All right. It's and now... The final our, category. Our last category. Mm-hmm. This is Desert Island Movie. The movie you can watch over and over as inspired by the talk that they have on The Office. Tim and I are going to... Mano a mano. Some... Thoughts. This is the movie you can watch over and over. What is your third choice? Well, again, this is a very personal choice. I mean, it's everyone's own Desert Island. So I'm going with, for me, I absolutely love this movie. Um, It's called 12 Monkeys. Good choice. Sci fi classic, all time classic. 
certainly not a movie most people would pick, but um, I don't know. I just love that movie. Okay. I love the futuristic element, the time travel. That's the category, you know. What Bruce can you watch Willis. over and over and over? Yeah. So that's a number three pick. All right. What's your number My three? number three pick, 1994's Legends of the Fall. <laughs> Interesting choice. I love that movie. I mean, it's got... Brad Pitt, Anthony Hopkins, Aiden Quinn, Henry Thomas from E.T. I, true, I can't argue with the cast. And at the end, old Brad Pitt dies fighting a bear with a knife. Like, <laughs> I don't, how can you do I that? Don't remember a lot of the spoiler alerts yeah. right now. If you haven't seen it, How many it, people really are rushing out to yeah. see Legends of the Fall right now? <laughs> oh, I need to see that right, all right now. So, Tim, your number two Desert Island pick. Uh, one of my all-time personal favorites again, which people may not even know of. A, a little movie known as Sneakers. Mm. Oh, that's a good one, Amazing too, cast. Too. Slightly, I guess you'd call it, not thriller really, but suspense. Yeah. Suspense slash comedy. Um, Robert Redford, Sidney Poitier... Great cast. Dan Aykroyd, River Phoenix. Amazing. And um, Ben Kingsley as the, uh, you know, villain. Have you watched that since the internet? Yes. That's kind of like a pre... I bought it on a, really? I bought it on YouTube video and forced one of my friends to watch it. Nice. Actually, my friend who's from Nepal, so he had no idea what was going on. <laughs> he did enjoy it, though. I One time I forced one of my friends from India to watch uh, Wizard of Oz, and she was like, what is this movie? Yeah. <laughs> and she introduced me to Bollywood, which I love, but she was like, this is an American movie that everybody loves? And she's like, I don't get it. <laughs> All right, Steve, what's your number two? My number two Desert Island movie is uh, 1998's What Dreams May Come. Oh. Robin Williams, Annabelle Sciorra. And Cuba Gooding Jr. That's a good one. It all happens kind of like in heaven almost. I like the paint very part. Good. It's very sad. I was going to say, I don't know that I could watch that over and over. But I would be the I most depressed person on the island. I love that movie. It's a great movie. It's you're a it is. Visually, it's amazing. Too. It is. Yeah. It is. All right. Oh, I haven't seen that movie in a while. Number that one I'm going to run out and watch. <laughs> Number one. Here we go. Number one. Schindler's List. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> very depressing. I can't. Great movie, though. Great movie. Schindler's <laughs> List is the best movie ever made. It probably it is. Like you swapped probably one is. movie all over again. It <laughs> no, my real number one, The Sixth Sense. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> again. I movie, thought about you that. Can, you cannot watch that movie all over Shores. No. <laughs> Anything with a twist ending. All M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> movies are out for this category. Yeah, they are. But actually, I'm going to redeem myself a little bit on what you said earlier, best franchises. And we're going with Back to the Future. Nice. Oh, 1985. Nice. And the nice. reason, you know, back when I was younger, too, before the internet and everything, this movie was constantly on. I don't know, TBS bought the rights to it or something? Yeah. And it would always just be on, and you would just find yourself watching it. Over and over and over again. Steve talked. You know? Steve and I talked about that with Star Wars because when we first started dating, I was like, I've never seen like all of Star Wars. Like I've seen like bits on TBS. Like you come in and it's like eleven fifteen and it's in the middle of a lightsaber battle. But I've never, I had never seen all the way through. Good choice, Tim. Mm-hmm. All right, what's I your? I either watch all of them. <laughs> Um, in a row, yeah. 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 What's your number My one? number one, Desert Island. Now, I feel like Tim's playing to the, the judge here because I feel like you're going to go with Back to the Future. <laughs> My number one Desert Island film I could watch over and over again, River Runs Through It from 1992. Mm-hmm. Robert Redford directed Brad Pitt, Craig Sheffer from The Program and from Nightbreed. 
um, Tom Skerritt, a very young Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Wow, he was in that movie? Yeah, he played one of them as, yeah. as a, when they showed him as little kids. Oh, interesting. Tim, I'm going to tell you something. <clears throat> River Runs Through It and Legends of the Fall might as well be the same. Yeah, I was just going to say. Megan. <laughs> That's what I was, I was thinking. They're very similar. You can tell Steve's Steve taste. Steve has a very specific He has a very taste. specific niche taste, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. But I, but I don't mind it. I mean, that's a, that's I, a well-known. I will say, even though the third one is actually my favorite, I think we're going to have to go with Back to the Future. Wow. So. I don't think anyone out there, their third one is their favorite. That's probably probably the least favorite one. No, no, no. The least favorite Mm. is the second one. It gets too dark. And Mm. she's got fake boobs and stuff. No. And his dad's been murdered. The Western, I actually think, if you just watch three... It mm. holds up as a standalone movie. Interesting. But over a river runs through it? Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, because it's a desert island I, I understand movie. my movie's watch... a little too highbrow for this It movie. is because it's set. <laughs> you picked three depressing, well, I mean, sad movies. Back to the Future is a pretty iconic movie compared to River Runs. I'm not saying River Runs Through It isn't a good movie. It is. But, but if you're watching no, all like of these. Familial if you're watching all these. Stop. Wouldn't it be great to go, man, that's so sad and it sucks. Well, at least I'm on this desert island. (laughs) (laughs) We really needed, like, the Little House on the Prairie box set so we know how to survive the desert island climate. Also, I don't know how we're, uh, I don't know how we're watching things on a desert island. That's true. The point is that you We have a laptop. All right. So, (laughs) let's recap uh, to go back through. Oh, wait. First... Back Back to to the the Future! future. (laughs) (laughs) Steve was yawning yawning for that. I'm not giving you a second take. I'm moving it in. All right. Our best date night movie was Megan's Choice for Princess Bride. Our best franchise was Star Wars. Our best underrated comedy was Uncle Buck. Best child star was Corey Feldman. So we'll pick a movie with Corey Feldman, Steve, to watch next time. You could pick the Burbs if you wanted to. We could pick the Burbs. Our cartoon was Muppet Babies. Since we've already reviewed that, we're going to go with Darkwing Duck, which was the second choice. Um, Our best reboot was, or most should have a reboot, was Young Indiana Jones. This is the only one. I'm not sure if we can find it. We'll try like heck. But we'll try like heck, yeah. Um, the most overrated TV show by a mile is Frasier. <laughs> Worst performance by a good actor is Arnold Schwarzenegger in Twins. Scariest movie is It, the miniseries. You missed most overrated movie, Titanic. Most overrated movie I was going to say next, oh, gotcha. and that was Titanic. So Bad It's Good was Death Becomes Her, and the Desert Island movie is Back to the Future. So we are going to be doing all of those in Season 2. Season 2. Did I hit all of them? That is a wrap for the first annual Remy's Awards. Those are the Remy's winners and losers in some cases. The Remy's winners and losers. And we're also, at this point, going to invite Tim back because... We in didn't, season two. In season two, we're going to do Power Rangers. And oh, we were wondering if wow. you would like to come over Exciting. and watch it and then Certainly. review it with I'm us. I'm an expert in that. 
Yeah. yeah. That's and, what I hear from your sister. Back you in can, the day. Back in the, the earliest days. The and we thank season. you for being part of the Remy's because even though you felt that you wouldn't have much to contribute, Tim, mm-hmm. you actually cho- you actually chose more winners than anyone. Yeah. Some questionable choices out there, I think, <laughs> but you know. Tim Sorry, Tim we'll played the it. game smart because he played to who the judge was gonna be. Oh, I, didn't, I, didn't know, I definitely did not know who yeah, I did not know. Yeah. So that's it for us this time. We are going to have some of our highest rated, most commented on episodes uh, coming up. And we've got some awesome surprises coming up as well in a couple weeks when we start season two. Um, We hope to start with a big bang and we're going to have some announcements about that and what we're going to be doing in addition to these great things. Make sure you smash the like button and hit subscribe. No, I'm just kidding. I actually have no idea how this whole podcast thing works, but if there is something like that. Like, hit subscribe, and also uh, leaving reviews can really help, especially on uh, Apple iTunes. It helps us get seen. For now... Have a Merry Christmas, everybody. My name's Megan. My name's Steve. Have a great Christmas, and we will see you in Season 2. And we'll help ruin your childhood again next year. That's right. Bye.